Today's gospel reading relates to one of the most distinguishing qualities of the Christian spiritual life, uh, namely to perform our good deeds in secret, uh, such as good deeds of almsgiving, deeds of uh, fasting, like we're going to start, which he calls a good deed that, if done properly, will have has its rewards, uh, namely fasting, and also the prayers that we do with the aim of pleasing God and not man. So it's important for us to, when we do the good things that we do, to our goal is to please God and not man. So every human being uh, has this call that comes in, uh, from inside of them to live a spiritual life because a human being is made up of the mind, our intellect, our bodies, but also our spirits. Even those who deny the spiritual life, they have a spirit. And so they have this call to that inner inclination to seek out spirituality. That's because every human being has a spirit. And to practice our full humanity, one must feed the spirit and not just feed the mind and, and feed the, um, and the body as well. And those who listen to that inner call ask themselves really important questions. And those who um, have faith and those who have a, a, an aim for spirituality ask themselves, you know, what is life? What is the meaning of life? Uh, what is the origin of all the things that exist? Is there a God? Is there a creator of all things? And does the world exist without, the, or does the world exist without a creator? If there is a God, then how do we communicate with Him, and how do we commune with Him and be one with Him? Um, is it even possible? Does there exist another world besides this natural, visible world that we live in, or is there another world that we don't see with our physical eyes? What is death? And what is life after death? These are all very important questions that the person who's spiritual, of course, uh, has to seek out. And of course, the answer to all of these questions is God, right? That, and, and the promises that he's given to us. It also leads us to find him when, um, and know him and worship him. And as the Bible says, God is spirit and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Along the way, though, we discover means that will help us to grow in our relationship with God. Um, the sacraments, reading the scriptures, writings, spiritual exercises, the icons we have in the church, prayers, fastings that we're going to start tomorrow. All these things have the aim of getting us closer to God and having us to encounter Him in a very real way. But one has to distinguish between the goal and the means to the goal, the way to the goal and the goal itself. A Christian can use the means to obtain to the goal, which is God himself, to actually communicate with God, to commune with him, and to be one with him, who is the source of all life and all joy. As long as we continually remind ourselves of the goal, these, uh, that, who is our Lord Jesus Christ, and that goal is con continually in front of us, then these means become very effective to us. But today's section of the scripture is from the loftiest, um, and most beautiful and majestic scripture ever written, which is called, of course, the Sermon of the Mount. If anyone wants to see Christianity or be introduced to Christianity for the first time, sometimes we allow them to read uh, the, the Gospel according to St. Matthew from chapters 5 through 7. This is the Sermon on the Mount. And so when, we, when they read this, they get a gist of what Christianity really is about in spirit. I know, I know a few people who have committed these three chapters to memory, and they say it uh, on their own in the spirit of prayer. And this would be also an excellent exercise during Lent, is to memorize these three chapters and to use it in our own spiritual life. And we, we kind of say it uh, in a spirit of prayer. So, But the verse right before today's section of the scripture that we read today says, Therefore you shall be perfect just as your Father in heaven is perfect. 
It's a call, of course, to be just like God in holiness, love, and humility, and sanctity. Um, as also we read today in uh, the Catholic epistle, that we begin to share in the divine nature. So some people have tried to put terminology to this called theosis or deification or sanctification. But um, what it is really is to be like God as much as possible and to share in his qualities. But scripture is everywhere telling us to be just like God in our works. So our good works are required to be performed by all the Christians in faith and in love for God. But as soon as we begin to do these good works is what the gospel today teaches us. As soon as we put our hands to do good works, um, works of love, works of sacrifice and giving, help, works of help um, to other people, and things that help us to progress in our spiritual life, as soon as we begin that, we're immediately faced with the first temptation, which is, of course, vainglory from other people. We want to, even though we didn't have the intention at the beginning, if we're not careful as we're progressing, we want people to see wow, I truly do fast, or I do really give almsgiving, or I do these good things. and that we can, So that we can start to begin to receive praise for such works and performing the commandments. Um, he, uh, today, our Lord Jesus Christ, to deter us from this, because we can all be uh, you know, susceptible to these kind of things, he focuses on three things, giving, fasting, and prayer. Similarly, in the Gospel of St. Luke, in the parable of the tax collector, he criticizes the Pharisee who was proud and feeling righteous and, and thanking God that he wasn't like these other people because he fasted twice a week and gave 10% of all of his possessions. He cared more about feeling that he was better than other people than he cared about pleasing God. So he says, Take heed that you do not do your charitable deeds before men to be seen by them. Otherwise, you have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. But the verse, um, there's a verse that's uh, up in the previous chapter of what we read today that seems to contradict this. It says, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. So in one place he's saying, you know, does he, um, to, you know, show our good works so that God's glory can be manifest. And, then, and today's reading says, uh, do your works in secret. So is there a contradiction? Of course, there's no contradiction in scripture. <clears throat> but in today's gospel, the intents of the heart is what really matters, which is why he adds to be seen by them, so that our intention to do these good works is to be seen by other people. <clears throat> it may be impossible, of course, to do all of our good works in secret. In fact, God wants us to reveal our good works. He will be the one to reveal it, whether we like it or not sometimes, and uh, to his glory and to the benefit of other people. In fact, God wants to reveal these things. But notice that he doesn't say, to not do the charitable deeds before men, but only if the intent is to be seen by them. That's what he wants to focus on. So it's not the deed itself, which we're required to do, but the intent behind the deed. Your father who sees in secret will himself reward you openly. So the rewards, and there are rewards for good deeds, as it says here, if properly done. Uh, the rewards are to those who seek his glory and approval, not the approval of others. It's in the intention of the action that qualify or disqualify the action itself. For example, you may often find uh, many who give to the poor or to orphans or to the sick, but um, they could be doing it to show off to others. You know, politicians, for example, that uh, do charity just so that they could be seen and get votes, right? That's not the, the spiritual type of giving. And this is the worst kind of kind of giving. When you see somebody's terrible situation and instead of having compassion on that person, helping 
you know, uh, out of love or pity or affection towards them, we, we help them to get credit. That's kind of a bad situation to be in. And it causes us to, you know, if that's the case for such a person, they need to do more self-reflection. But it's not the giving only, but the giving as we ought to give that matters. For God's glory and to trust um, and to trust that he sees us in secret, that's what we trust in, that he knows what we're doing and we're doing it for his glory and his intent alone. And when our actions are seen by others, which they will be, because God does reveal these things, we look in that secret place in the heart. It's not the outward secretness, but the secret place in our heart to be sure that our intentions are pure. And he again instills this kind of spirit when uh, he talks about prayer today. Here we see our Lord mention that prayer, like performing any good deeds, should be done in the secret place. Of course, it's impossible to always pray in secret, otherwise we wouldn't be here in church praying together, right? So the intent is not to pray in secret in the closet, as he says here in, the, in today's gospel. And in fact, we know that the Lord's prayer, our Father who art in heaven, is a communal prayer. We don't say, my Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give me this day, give us, right? Give us our daily bread, forgive us our trespasses. Give us, uh, and, and it's always a communal prayer that we pray together. It's meant to be that way. So where is in this secret place? It's in the heart. That's where the intentions are. Our prayers are to God who dwells in the hearts and who are um, in, the, in the hearts of all those who are baptized. Um, it's not to show off how many prayers or how many hymns we know or how many hymns we've memorized, although memorizing prayers and hymns and psalms are beneficial when praying from the heart and that, in that secret place. It's not to repeat the same things again and again, to show off many words. Such words, of course, as Christ says, will be in vain. We're not just here to say a bunch of words like, a, like some sort of incantation or something. We are saying these words and we're trying to say it with purity of heart and with zeal and from that heart in that secret place that's inside of us. However, though, we can repeat the same kind of prayer uh, as many times as we want to, as long as we keep praying that from the heart. Just like Christ did in the Garden of Gethsemane, he went, the Bible says he went and prayed the same prayer three times. So he did do repetition, but he did it with zeal, and he did it with passion, and that's the kind of passion we have to have. Or just like the persistent widow and the friend who woke up the person sleeping with requests, we should be praying continually with the same prayers if needed, but we do so from the heart. It's not the matter. It's not whether or not we're repeating something. It's whether or not we're just repeating it with with the heart or without the heart in that secret place. These things make sense when you think about them. It's all about that inner person, the intentions, where God is, and where He's and what He's really concerned about. It's that secret place between you and Him. That secret place that only you and Him know about. That's inside of each one of us. It is possible to go pray in a, in a closet or in any other secluded place, but still it, it could be rejected if our intentions are not pure. So it's not our physical place. It's not a change of place that makes our prayers acceptable, but a change of heart that makes it acceptable. Which is why in Proverbs 23, he says, My son, give me your heart. So the closet is that inner person full of sincerity and love towards God. That's what really matters. Then he teaches them the prayer of all prayers, of course, the Lord's Prayer, which we read today. One of the most important things we talked about was creating a rule of our lives um, in, in our spiritual life. So when we're starting fasting tomorrow, one of, the, one of the most important things that we focus on is creating a rule in our life, a pattern, some kind of 
guide in our life to continue, no matter how small. The, the key is it, that it has to be sustainable. So no matter, like, for example, if we make a commitment during this holy fasting of prayer, that we have something that's sustainable and consistent no matter how small. For example, the Lord's Prayer. In the Dedicate, it says that we should pray the Lord's Prayer at least three times a day. So we can start with that. In the morning we wake up, before we sleep, and maybe before lunchtime, we can say the Lord's Prayer three times a day. Some of you will say, yeah, we do that. Others will say, no, you know, that's something I can work towards. And so no matter how small, God accepts the small things. But as long as it's sustainable and continuous, that's what, uh, and we can continue it, that's what matters. Oftentimes we try to take on too much, and I've, I know I've used this example before of like, in January you see a lot of people at the gym, well these days you don't see anyone at the gym, but yeah, on, in January after the New Year's resolutions, they're working out, but then by February are those people still there anymore? They usually have stopped going, right? So, because they've tried to take on too much. It's better to start small and keep it going than take on too much and then end up uh, despairing and stopping. Maybe later, um, with you know, after you start small, you can add a few psalms uh, that, of course, have been powerful throughout thousands of years in our prayers. There are no other words that, to speak to God better than the words that He Himself spoke with. So the psalm, and that's what the psalms are. Um, and or maybe we can use what the Desert Fathers use, which is the Lord's Prayer, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Um, these uh, simple words uh, have a very powerful impact on our lives. So the rule that applies to you can be obtained, of course, through guidance of your Father Confession. And uh, no matter how small, as long as it's uh, sustainable, and then you can build over that over time. So today we read about the Lord's Prayer, and time would escape us to really go into depth, of course. It has within it the, uh, the affirmation that He's our Father, and we're His children, that He is majestic, dwelling in heaven, and at the same time He's everywhere within creation, and that, he, that even His name is holy and powerful on this earth. And that His kingdom is coming, and His will, which is beyond searching sometimes, um, should be done irrespective of our requests. So we say, our, your, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That we may ask for moderate things. We only ask for our daily bread. We don't ask for weeks' bread or months' bread. We ask for our daily bread and not ask for excessive uh, possessions. And we ask for forgiveness and mercy and, re and routine, routinely ask for that and to forgive others so that we may be forgiven. And we ask for deliverance from temptation. We acknowledge the presence of our enemy in this prayer, the devil, who, uh, and we also ask for deliverance from him. And we ask also knowledge uh, and confidence in God's limitless power and indescribable glory. So we should always pause. You know, sometimes we say the Lord's Prayer, like what our Lord today uh, criticized, just, you know, really quickly. But we should say it slowly, and the deacon should say it slowly, and we all say it with, uh, you know, pondering. I, I guarantee if you just took one part of the Lord's Prayer and just thought about it, you wouldn't finish the Lord's Prayer in a, in a half hour, right? But sometimes we skim through it in like 15 seconds, right? So take your time sometimes on your bed or in your quietness and ponder on portions of the Lord's Prayer and have it really be effective in our life. But of all the beautiful points in the Lord's Prayer, the one point that our Lord, after teaching him, emphasizes and elaborates more on is the concept of forgiving others so that our uh, sins may also be forgiven. This is the one point he chose to focus on. He says, for if you forgive men their, their trespasses, 
your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Forgiveness of sins comes only when we forgive others. It's not even an equal deal when you really look at it. Our sins towards God is, is a much greater offense when we look at it, right, than, than somebody who sins against us, right? Who cares if somebody sins against me? Who am I, right? But if we sin against God, it's a big deal. And so God, nevertheless, is able, is willing to trade us this, this kind of, uh, this, this kind of like a trade. If you forgive people who trespass against you, I will forgive what you trespass against me. It's not an equal deal, but he's given us a really good deal here, right? And we should take advantage of that. Um, God is able to, is willing to trade nevertheless. Our forgiveness of others for God's forgiveness of us. So when we forgive, we show love towards other people. If we don't forgive, no matter what our faith is, no matter what our works are, because there is no love, we would not benefit. So these are difficult, of course, sometimes to forgive others. It can be difficult. Nevertheless, we should pray that God gives us the ability to forgive, because sometimes forgiveness of others is not a human action, but the action of the Holy Spirit working inside of us. So the act of prayer for those who have hurt um, us, you know, when we actually pray for them, actually is the first step in healing and forgiveness of others. I'm going to end it with a story from the Desert Fathers. Um, there was a brotherhood of monks in a monastery complained to Abba Macarius um, about another monk who, who they saw allow another person in his cell of the opposite gender. And so, of course, that's not allowed in a monastery. So they asked the old man, St. Macarius, to rebuke the monk. So he followed them to the monk's cell. When the monk saw them coming, he hid the woman under a large earthen vessel, and he, Abba Macarius knew, uh, knew this by the spirit, and as he entered the cell, he immediately sat on the vessel. So the, the person was inside the vessel, and he sat on top of it, and told the brethren to search the cell carefully to find this woman. But that he was tired and was in, unable to get up uh, off the vessel. So they searched and didn't find the person, so, and they couldn't dare ask the old man, St. Macarius, to move so they, um, and to get off the vessel. So then he, after they failed to find the person, he rebuked them and accused, uh, rebuked them for accusing an innocent monk. So they all left in shame. All the other brothers left in shame. The old man, St. Macarius, turned to the monk and said, Brother, judge yourself before they judge you. Upon leaving the cell, a voice from heaven was proclaimed, Blessed are you, Macarius, for you have imitated your Savior in covering the people's sins. We have imitated the Savior because this is what He did for us. He covered our own sins, and therefore we have to, as well, cover the sins of people and be just like our Father who is perfect and, and to strive to be just like Him. So Christ grant us the blessings of Lent fasting, which starts tomorrow, as we look to the life-giving cross and the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ, to whom be glory both now and forever. Amen.